Certainly good to be here tonight and glad that you could make it out for the services this evening. We've had a wonderful time this week studying together and visiting with each other and spending time together in God's Word. We're glad that you're here tonight. If you're visiting, we want to thank you first for the ones that drove so far to be here tonight and thank you for that. And see a lot of familiar faces out there and appreciate you being here. Tonight we're going to talk about eternity. We're going to have some questions that we're going to answer about eternity. Questions about eternal life. Get all my electronics going the right way here. In 1 John, the 5th chapter, verses 11 through 13, the Bible says, This is the record that God had given to us, eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Eternal life. We're going to examine the concept of that and answer some questions that sometimes come to mind about that about eternal life. You know, at best, our life here on earth is short. Now, when we're little kids, we don't think that. You know, we, you're little, if you're a little guy, you think about from Christmas to Christmas or birthday to birthday, and it just seems forever. I remember when I was a little kid, you know, I would think, wow, it's a long time to Christmas. I love Christmas, you know. You get gifts and have a big time, and it's all in a kind of a perspective, though, isn't it? You know, I'm 60 years old now, and you know what? The, the years are going by pretty quick. And that's what happens to us. Because at best, life is short. We're not going to be on the earth very long in the big scheme of things. The Bible says here in Psalms 90 and 10, the days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength... They be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for, soon, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. So the Bible here says that our days are numbered. Now some are going to live a little longer, some are going to be shorter. We hear about people that live, you know, I'm, every now and then you pick up a newspaper or turn on the internet or whatever, you, however you get your news, and you hear about some guy that's way over 100 years old. And they just can't believe he's lived that long. But you know what? He died. And unfortunately, we hear about small children that, that pass away. We know people get killed in car wrecks. And there's all kinds of things that happen. And people live different times, but nobody lives forever on this earth. There's a time period that we have on earth, and then it's gone. You know, sometimes we look in obituary columns, and if you do that, I do, and maybe that's because I am getting a little older, I don't know. What's the first thing you look for? Well, do we know them? Well, no, maybe we didn't know them. Where'd they come from? What, what town did they live in? And then we kind of look at their age, don't we, sometimes? Because we're interested in that. We're interested in how long people live. Why is that? Because we're living. And we know that there's going to be an end to our time here. And our days are numbered, just like the Bible says they are. And there'll be a day when we pass on. 
In James 4 and 14, the Bible says here, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even, it is even a vapor that appeareth for a while, then vanisheth away. Now I guess I can't think about this scripture, about our life being a vapor that is. I can't think about that without thinking about an old tea kettle. Now people don't use tea kettles much anymore, although I did buy one the other day. You can still buy them. Well, the one Mama had, she'd put it on the, on the stove to heat water. Before long, you'd hear it go off. You'd look over there and there'd be a vapor coming out of it. And when I think about the scripture, I think about that vapor because you can see it. It's visible to you. You know it's there, but it doesn't last very long, does it? It vanishes away. Down in our part of the country, I'm from Beaumont, Texas, and we have a lot of oil refineries down that way. A lot of you have been down there. If you drive by those oil refineries, steam is coming off all the time. You think it's pollution, but most of the time it's not, or at least that's what they tell us. But it's a vapor. And you can see it. It's like a jet going across the, the sky sometimes. You can see a vapor trail. So it's visible, but it goes away. And the Bible describes that as our life. It's here for a while then it fades away. You know, that is something that will always be. It relates to our physical life. But Jesus came to give us eternal life through Him and with Him. One of the most noted scriptures probably that there is, John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life everlasting life. This scripture is talking about everlasting life with Jesus. The ones who believe in Him and obey His commands and follow that through their belief. Again, in John 5 and 24, the Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth My word and believeth on Him that sent Him have everlasting life and shall not come unto condemnation, but is passed from death Unto life. Now I want to stop here for just a minute and look at that scripture. Let's focus on something right here. Verily, verily, this is Jesus talking, I say unto you that he that heareth my word. Jesus is talking about us hearing him. Do you think that means just those words hit, hitting your ears? That you just physically hear it when you when you shred from the scripture? What it means is that you hear it and you heed it. You remember when you, maybe when you was a kid, I know my dad did, he'd tell me to do something, I wouldn't do it, and he'd say, Tom, do you hear me? Are you hearing me, boy? What did that mean? It meant that he had talked to me, but I was supposed to hear and heed. I believe that's what that's talking about here. Verily I say unto you, hear that he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me have everlasting life. <coughs> Everlasting life. What a strange concept to a non-believer. But to us, it means so much. So what is eternal life? Well, eternal life with God is only found through His Son Jesus. In 1 John 5 and 11, the Bible says, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. So we know that eternal life in, in, with God is only going to be through His Son, Jesus Christ. 
Only through that. But, you know, mankind strives for eternal life. Ponce de Leon, Spanish explorer, came over this way on a boat in the 1500s and searched for the fountain of youth. What was he trying to do? Why do you think he wanted the fountain of youth? Well, that's exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted to have eternal life, but he wanted to have it here. And people do all kinds of things to extend their life. I mean, they do everything. They take vitamins, do exercise programs, and do all kinds of things. Now, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing to do. You know, I think probably I ought to get more exercise, and I probably ought to take more vitamins, but I don't. But some people are trying to stretch the days of their life just because they may not want to face what is at the other end. So they strive for a long life. Ponce de Leon never found it. It never was there to begin with. We know that. I want to introduce to you, if, if you don't know this, a term called cryonics. I had to look that one up too, okay? I knew it existed, but I didn't, I didn't know that it really had an official name, but it does. And let's, let's talk about cryonics for just a minute because people actually strive and believe in this right here. So let's talk about it. Cryonics is the low temperature preservation of humans and animals who can no longer be sustained by contemporary medicine with the hope that healing and, res and resuscitation rather, may be possible in the future. Cryonics, big old fancy word for somebody getting put in a deep freeze after they die. Why do they do that? Well, cryonics, for the reason of cryonics, is, is that they're hoping they're going to find a cure for what killed this guy. They'll be able to thaw him out, give him the cure, bring him back to life. How ridiculous that sounds to us. Yet there's people who do this. Now, they can't do it until the time of death because that's against the law. You can't put somebody in a deep freeze before they die. You got to wait until they die. And that sounds pretty silly to us, doesn't it? Yet people try all of these things, cryonics and all of this other stuff that they do. They search for the fountain of youth to try to have eternal life when they could have had it with the, with the Son. With Jesus Christ, they could live in eternity with God. But they don't. Some don't. Many do, many don't. You know, some of the Eastern cultures believe that an honorable death and death with honor will give you eternal life. And some people try to balance the good things that they can do in life against the bad things that they can do. And they keep score. It's a personal score that they have. And it's like the old scales of justice. And they keep doing the good things and they keep doing the bad things and they hope at the end of, of their time that the balance will be towards an eternal life with God. We know that that's not right. Some people try to give enough money to the poor. Some people not try to give enough money to the Red Cross or American Cancer Society and those are all great things to give to. If you give to them, then great. But that... Giving to them is not going to earn your way into heaven. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that we can find eternity with God. But people strive to do things. They try to overdo the bad things in their life and, 
have that eternal life. Those world religions that deny Christ are trying to do just that. Reincarnation is taught by some of the world religions. Religions that worship idols and religions that worship the earth and creatures and all kinds of things and all different kinds of gods. There's world religions that have multiple gods. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. You know, Jesus didn't say that most men come to the Father through Him. He didn't say you can get there through this way, but you can get there through another way. He says, no man cometh unto the Father but by Me. We sing a song, there's only one way to the kingdom of God. And that old way is the old-fashioned cross. Christ crucified. The death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When we obey that form of doctrine, then we put on Christ. There's only one way to the kingdom of God. And again, it's only found through Jesus Christ. Jesus paid that cost. He paid that awful death on Calvary. Dying for our sins. Shedding His blood. Now, if we could have worked our way into heaven, and if we could have given up, given up to the Red Cross or American Cancer Society, and if we could have done all of those things, then why would Jesus even have had to come and die? Think about that one for just a minute. I want you to think about that. If that's right, if you can work your way into heaven and do good things enough to overcome your bad things, then why would, why would Jesus have even had to come? and die on the cross. But He did. Because He knows that no man cometh unto the Father but by Him. That was God's master plan for the salvation of mankind. So when does eternal life begin? When does eternal life begin? Let's read what Paul tells the church at Rome. Hang on. Sometimes I get these uh, slides out of order. Let's go to Romans 6 here. Romans 6, verses 6 through 11. Here's what Paul says Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now, Paul tells the Christians here that. Our old man is put to death. It's cruci he's crucified with Jesus. That henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Now that's a strange concept. I'm sure that some people, when they first heard that, they thought, you're going to die to live. But we're burying that old man. And we live with Jesus Christ. Verse 9, Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He liveth, He liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. When does eternal life begin? 
Well, with Christ it begins right here. This is the start when we bury that old man and rise to walk in newness of life. To serve God all the days of our life. Eternal life with God begins when we have the Son. Again, in 1 John 5 and 12, the Bible says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. There we go again. What about those people that don't have the Son? What about that? You know, none of us really want to live eternally without Jesus Christ. You really get to thinking about that concept, about living eternally without Jesus Christ. Do you really want to be there? No, sir. Eternity. We can't even begin to think about that. We always think in terms of time periods. 40-hour work weeks. I'm so old. You're that old. We've been here a long time. This congregation's existed since this, this date and that date. And we all, we're locked into time all the time. We're always measuring things. But eternity has no unit of measure. Oh, it can be, begin at a certain time, but it doesn't end. On and on and on and on. Eternity. What about eternal punishment? Matthew 25 and 30, And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You ever think about gnashing of teeth for an eternity? You know, that's not pleasant talking, is it? In 2 Thessalonians 1 verses 7 and 9, the Bible says... And to you, you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed, revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Punished with everlasting punishment. From the presence of the Lord. Think about that. It's hard for us to even measure that in our mind. But it's true. Who's this for? It's for those that know not God and obey not the gospel. And Paul is talking about those that refuse to obey God's plan. Now, it does seem harsh, doesn't it? To talk about that. And, I, and I'll agree that probably there's a lot of religious settings across the United States where they won't preach this or they won't teach this. But I'm telling you, it's in the Bible. It applies to us. It applies to all mankind. It needs to be taught on. You know, I think of the Scripture in 2 Corinthians 5 and 11 where Paul tells the church at Corinth, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men that we are made manifest unto God and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Paul didn't mind preaching about it, did he? He wasn't shy to say it. He knew the terror of the Lord and, and he persuaded men to obey that gospel and change their life. 
and walk in newness of life, serving God to the end of their days. So what must be done? How can you have Jesus? How can you put on Christ? Galatians 3 and 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We're talking about eternity. We contact the blood through the death of Jesus Christ. The blood we contact in baptism. Romans 6, verses 4 through 11. One of my favorite places, and I'm sure it might be for you too. It's so clear. Paul was just so clear to these people in Rome when he was telling the church at Rome. He said, therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death. He talks about being buried in a watery grave of baptism. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. There's that old man again. There's that old man that we want to put off and put away and be free from. How are we doing that? In the watery grave of baptism. Buried with him in baptism to rise and walk in newness of life and burying that old man. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. What do you think that means? Freed from sin. We have no longer the guilt of sin. That sin in our life has now been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ and through the blood of Jesus Christ and we contact that blood in baptism. Now we're talking about eternity with Jesus Christ and God in heaven. Contacted in baptism. Goes on to say, now, if we be dead in Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He liveth, He liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what Paul taught those Christians at Rome. He teaches us that today. Being a new creature. Newness of life. Free from sin when we obey that form of doctrine. A new creature. Paul again here in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 talks about a new creature. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And we destroyed the old man. What do we have? We have something new. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So through baptism, we can enter that eternal life with our Lord and Savior. Born again. What an odd term that is, born again. used to hear that a lot a few years ago that people were born again Christians, but it's a, it's a valid term, born again. The Scripture talks about it. In John 3, verses 1 through 5, The Bible says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles 
that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee. And this is what he told Nicodemus. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Now Nicodemus didn't understand the concept of that. He knows that Jesus is the real deal. No doubt. He says, man, I, I know you, you're from God. I, no man could do these miracles except God be with him. He said, I know you're the real thing. But he asked a question. He said, Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he's old? He didn't understand the concept. Can he enter the second time in his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was told to be born again, to start over. Isn't that a great thing to be able to do anyway? Well, you know, when you think about the concept of being able to start over in your life, all the things that have been done in, in your life and all the things that, that you would probably rather not even remember are put away. You know, every now and then you hear somebody say, well, you know, I've done too many bad things in my life and I, I, I know God would not forgive me. That's not true. God will forgive you. God forgives sin. The Apostle Paul described himself as being chief of sinners. And you know, you get to studying Paul and what he did to Christians before he was converted. I mean, it was bad. Yet he became a Christian. And that salvation is open and free to anyone. God is no respecter of persons. That salvation is open to all who will obey. Well, it's a gift. The gift of Jesus Christ and the plan of salvation. For the ones that have done it, they put on Christ. They've been born again. They walk in newness of life. And as new creatures with the assurance of eternal life. Romans 6 and 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. What do you think the form of doctrine was? Well, it was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, we can't physically die the way Jesus and then be buried and rise, rise again. But we can obey that form of doctrine. The Bible says it's a form of doctrine. We die through our sins. We're buried in the watery grave of baptism. And we rise to walk in newness of life. We start over. What a blessing. What a blessing that is. To walk in new life. Sins being forgiven. And finding the peace it's described in Philippians 4 and 7. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding. We've used this this week some. It goes on to say, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's a peace that you can't find anywhere else. All of those people that are striving for, to have eternal life and they want to stay on this earth. Well, I, I think any Christian would agree that this earth is not full of peace. 
I think any of us would say we want to be with Jesus Christ. We want to dwell eternally in heaven. That's where the peace is at, but you know we can achieve that peace here on earth. How is that? How can you get that already? Well, it's through Jesus Christ and obeying His gospel and knowing that you're one of His. You've been bought and purchased by the blood of Christ. That when you obey the Lord in baptism, you begin to walk with Jesus through eternity. Have you done that? That's the question tonight because I'm going to tell you, eternity has started. Eternity, eternity for you and for me started when we were born. It started when we were conceived. The clock started ticking. We don't know when we're going to die. have no idea. But we will. We will do that. And our comfort can come through Christ. Here's what Jesus said about that. In Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. You know, there's a lot of times that we have heaviness on our heart. But you may be here tonight and have the heaviness of sin on your heart. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Now that's a rest that you won't find anywhere else. Have you done that? Have you heard that word and believed it? <coughs> Repented from your past sins? Willing to repent from your past sins? Name the name of Jesus Christ that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and then be buried in the watery grave of baptism, obeying that form of doctrine, being dead to your sins, being buried to rise and walk in newness of life all the days of your life. Have you done that? You can do that tonight. Water's ready. Provisions are made. If the church can be of assistance to anyone tonight, we'd ask you to take that step. Think about that. If you hadn't done that, where will you spend your eternity? The lesson's yours. If the church can be of assistance to anyone, we'd ask you to come as we sing and have a seat on the front row.